Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright with you on this Monday morning, February 28th, the last day of the month and one of the last days before the season of Lent. Let us begin in prayer this morning. And uh, again, you know, I would like to just continue to pray our morning offering as we normally do. And today, if we could offer just a, a decade of the rosary for the people of Ukraine and for the continuing situation in Ukraine for peaceful resolution and just resolution to all that is happening, uh, we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and for the intentions of the Holy Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, as we mentioned at the top of the show, today is the final day of February, and with that it comes a reminder that Friday 
In addition to being the first Friday of Lent, will also be the first Friday of the month of March. And so we will observe our first Friday devotions uh, accordingly. And then Saturday as well will be the first Saturday, and we will observe our first Saturday devotion for that. Uh, For those of you who might not be familiar, on the first Fridays we are called to receive Holy Communion in a state of grace. We would not do that outside of a state of grace lest we commit the sin of sacrilege. And then pray in honor of the Sacred Heart of Jesus or in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart of Jesus, or as I like to do, both. Pray in honor of his Sacred Heart and in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart, particularly fitting during the season of Lent to do so. And then on Saturday, uh, for the first Saturday devotion, we pray the Holy Rosary. We meditate for 15 minutes on the mysteries of the Rosary in addition to that Holy Rosary. We go to Mass and we receive Holy Communion. And part of that devotion is going to confession so that we can receive Holy Communion. Um, and I would I like to use this as an anchor point. You know, we've talked about this on the show a few times that even if you're not in a state of mortal sin, it's good to make a devotional confession on a regular basis. Uh, Father Rick Heilman was talking about this as we were talking about peace through strength for the season of Lent, that no more than a month should elapse, and we should be going to make that devotional confession. You might go in and say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I don't have any mortal sins, but I want to make a devotional confession to keep receiving grace. Um, It's good to let Father know, by the way. And the first Saturday devotion is such a great anchor point for us because part of that devotion is to go to confession so that we could go to Holy Communion and receive worthily. On the show today, we're going to continue getting ready for Lent. We have two more days to get ready, and then it is upon us. So we're going to visit with Sister Mary Carolyn Nunes from the Franciscan Sisters up in Alton, Illinois, to talk about silence and withdrawing. Uh, We've got a homily for you from Monsignor Morris about Quinquagesima, the Sunday 50 days before Easter. And then we are going to hear from Father Wade Menezes in what will be a two-part discussion this week on the season of Lent. Uh, So all of that on the show, but first let's go to Mike Roberts for a look at the weather. Today is the feast day of Blessed Daniel Brotier. Born on a commune in France in 1876, Daniel often told his mother as he was growing up he would one day be the Pope. Well, he never became the Pope, but at 10, he entered the minor seminary, and by the time he was 23, Daniel was a priest. He was assigned to teach, but didn't feel called to that profession, so he joined the Congregation of the Holy Spirit and was sent to Africa. When World War I broke out, Daniel became a battlefield chaplain, and he was fearless. He was cited six times for bravery and awarded the Croix de Guerre and the Legion of Honor. He said his ability to serve his countrymen under fire was due to the intercession of St. Therese of Lisieux. After the war ended, Daniel led efforts to help orphaned and abandoned children while dedicating all of his work to St. Therese. He died on this day in 1936. Blessed Daniel Brotier, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven, and today on the show, we're happy to be joined by Sister Mary Carolyn Nunes from the Franciscan Martyrs, from the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George. I, I, I almost made you a martyr there, Sister. And yeah, not yet. <laughs> while I'm sure you would be willing to die for your faith, I don't know that you're necessarily going out looking for the opportunity. Not not all, not every day. <laughs> we should be, though, right? All of us should right. be looking for an opportunity to bear that kind of witness every day. 
Well, that, and, and friends, as fun as a topic as that would be to discuss, that's not what brings us together today. We are talking about one of my favorite things, and, and this goes back to, Sister, uh, when I was in high school, you know, you do the, uh, we're going to read the gospel and theology class and, and write down notes about what strikes you. And, and, and since that time, this is something that's always struck me, that very often Jesus will go do something very public, and then he and the apostles will withdraw somewhere, and then on top of that, Jesus will then withdraw from the apostles. It's like a, a double withdrawal to go be by himself in the quiet to pray to the Father. And that's always struck me because I'm a very extroverted person, and I don't take enough time in life to withdraw from the very public part of my life to go to the very quiet solitude with God. And uh, I need to do that. So I thought we could talk about that today and how we can go find some quiet in our lives to commune with the Lord. Sure, Adam. And I, I also, I'm considered an extroverted introvert or an introverted extrovert, some, something like that. But I actually do need quite a bit of silence. And I think it probably comes from having been in religious life for 17 years now that I've kind of learned how to enter into silence more fully and more freely. Uh, but I think even before I entered the convent, I lived by myself. And so you'd think, well, you must have had a lot of silence, which in some ways I did. But it's amazing how even if externally there's a lot of silence, internally there can still be quite a bit of noise. And so I think what Jesus is showing us is that the withdrawal and the double withdrawal, as you as you mentioned, is actually going more deeply within uh, to be able to hear and encounter the voice of the Father. Now, you said something there that I think is really important, that it's a process and it's something you've learned over your years in religious life, which sounds to me like it's a discipline. And like any discipline. It's not something that we just say, oh, I'm going to go be in the quiet today and everything's going to go all hunky-dory and be great. Uh, it's, a, it's something we have to learn how to do. So where do we begin? Practice makes perfect every single time. Like I even think about every year I, I take a week-long silent retreat. And the first couple of days I call my sandpaper days because they're the days where I have to kind of like whittle down to a place where I can be silent. And then like day three, I'm ready to rest and be in silence with the Lord. But then like uh, toward the end, I start to the, the sandpaper starts to kind of wear up again, and I'm like ready to enter back into the noise. But it's always funny. Um, I recently actually helped to direct a silent retreat for some focus missionaries, and the meal right before we went into silence, and the meal when we came out of silence, the refectory was just so full of noise. I had to withdraw to a quiet place because it was it was a little bit much for me. Um, but yeah, practice makes perfect for sure. So I think taking time every day. I even when I speak with students in Catholic grade schools, I tell them like, hey, here's a little practice: take two minutes a day to just be totally quiet and to not think of anything other than Jesus looking at you with love uh, and to let that kind of be a discipline that starts from a young age uh, that's can two minutes can become three minutes can become five minutes can become 20 minutes and then that's the beginning of a prayer life because love begins with listening and love begins with silence that was Mr. Rogers not some great saint but um, although some could argue but anyway um, yeah love begins with listening and so uh, listening and silence are a means to growing in love with the Lord. Now, you say take two minutes a day. Um, I think back to the first time I went to the batting cages, and I, I thought to myself, I want to get really good at hitting in the batting cages. And I went in, and I put my quarter in or whatever the, the token was, and I had no idea how to swing a baseball bat properly. I had watched the Cardinals on TV. I had been to baseball games, but there was something mechanical in my swing. I just didn't have right. I didn't hit a single pitch that came my way. And... Uh, Finally, kind of learned what I was doing, and, and someone came along and said, oh, yeah, so your problem is you're doing it wrong, Adam. You're, you're not doing this right. So when you say take two minutes to sit in silence and, and think about 
the face of God, the face of Jesus gazing upon you and saying, I love you. I'm thinking, all right, Lord, here I am sitting in silence. You love me. You love me. Oh, the wallpaper's starting to peel over there. I should probably, wait, no, don't think about that, Adam. Think about the face of Jesus. You love me. You love me. What should I do? I, I want to have the good mechanics, kind of like the baseball swing. Yeah, I think I think you just named it, like bringing it right back, bringing it, and that's why it's helpful sometimes to start with an image uh, to get to that place where maybe you have like I, the crucifix on the my bedroom wall at my parents' house. Like that's that image is one that is burned in my memory because of the hours that I spent staring at it while I was trying to fall asleep when I was a kid. Like that. That's just there. Or like the the picture of St. John the 23rd in my dad's childhood bedroom that I used to sleep in when I spent the night at my grandparents' house. I remember looking at good Pope John smiling at me. Had no idea who the guy was. Now he's like my second favorite pope. But um, it's, it's interesting that that image of love, that image of tenderness was something that moved me so much. And so bringing it back, like whether it's a, a picture or an image or a crucifix or holding a rosary in your hand, uh, any of those things can be really helpful. The other thing, though, that we have to remember is that sometimes what we think is a distraction can actually be the Lord trying to get our attention. And so I'm not saying that the wallpaper necessarily was one of those examples, but I know for me, um, a practice that I've kind of learned is if something comes and it, and it seems like it might be a distraction, go ahead and dismiss it and bring it back to Jesus, I love you, you love me, we're looking at each other with love. And then if it comes a second time, to dismiss it again. But if it comes a third time, maybe to say, Jesus, is there something you want to say to me about this? Like, is this image of wallpaper peeling off the wall actually something you want to show me about my soul? Are you trying to peel back a layer of my heart that you would like to speak into? So y- you never know, um, but giving giving the Lord a chance to use everything. Yeah. Now, friends, one of the things I want to share with you, because I am not a rookie at this anymore, mm-hmm. thankfully, I have grown in my ability to sit quietly. Uh, sister, I don't know if this helps you, but I bring a notepad with me when I go to sit in silence so that if I'm sitting there just spending some time with our Lord, whether in the Adoration Chapel or just in a prayer space, in the office or at home, and I say, oh, I need to pay the electric bill. Well, then I just write down on the notepad, make sure to pay the electric bill, and then I, that way I can move on. And then when I, my time is up, whether it's two minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I grab the notepad and I say, oh, pay the electric bill. And then I just have my little checklist ready to go of all the things that could have distracted me, but I wrote them down and let go of them until the prayer time was over. Absolutely. I find that extremely helpful. I always pray with a pen, and the listeners can't see this, but I carry in my pocket what I call my nun notebook, and that is exactly what I do. Uh, some kind of distraction comes, or maybe maybe not a distraction of like, or like a to-do list item, but maybe just a really great idea that I want to make sure that I remember, but it's not the time to be praying about that right now. It's not the time to be thinking about that right now. Yeah, and you know, I have to, I have to comment. I have always loved every Franciscan sister of the Martyr St. George I have met. You have amazing storage capacity with pockets all over those habits. It's like, does anyone have a pen? And I've seen sisters reach into a part of the sleeve. I didn't even know I had a pocket. It's like, here's a pen. And, and I'm thinking, Batman could take some lessons. He's only got the utility belt. You have the utility habit. Yep. It, it, it's a great thing. Batman or MacGyver, one of the two, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, you know, sister, I, I, I wonder then, does the place we go to matter? As well, we've talked about kind of what to do a little bit, um, but in the, the scriptures we read that the apostles go to a place, and then Jesus even leaves them and goes to another place. Uh, are there good places to go and sit and have times of silence? I would say yes, and you know where that place is in your home. I remember as a seventh grader walking home from school, stopping in the church to pray, and not knowing that that was called a visit to the Blessed Sacrament, not having any sense of that at all, but going to a busy, loud public school and having the time as I walked home by myself and stopped in the church and just like was there with the Lord. 
yeah, really, really instrumental. So if you have the opportunity to pray in a church, great. Adoration Chapel, great. But if not, just having that space in your home that is peeled down from the distraction, from the distraction of the eyes and of the ears uh, so that, you know, maybe there's there's not the TV right there and your phone right there and the computer right there. But where is the place where you can go and be alone with the Lord? And finally, one of the questions I want to ask about this, how long should we be aiming to do this? And, and I kind of think that that could be a trick question for you and I, because it could be really good for us to make a quiet holy hour each and every day. But in the middle of a busy afternoon, I, I wonder, is it equally as good to say, I am jam-packed this afternoon, but for the next minute and a half, I'm going to sit here at my desk, I'm going to turn off my phone, I'm going to hit the power button on my computer monitor, and I'm just going to take a minute to sit quietly before I go on to the chaos that is my schedule. Yeah, I think having, if we don't pray sometime, we won't pray anytime. So making sure that we have a set time that we are taking to pray, that's very intentional. But like you said, in the middle of a busy afternoon, maybe we don't have time to go. Uh, like yesterday afternoon, I got home from visiting a Catholic grade school and I had to get ready to go to prayers and I needed a few minutes just to be. And so uh, I went to my room and I shut the door and I was just like, okay, Lord, here we are. This is what's happened today so far. This is what I've got coming up and I need you to be with me in it. Here we go. Uh, just to kind of like hit that reset button as in a sense. And so I think finding that space as well and knowing what's going to work, like whether that's a scripture verse that comes to mind that brings you a quiet and a peace and a silence, or again, whether that's an image that we look at, take a deep breath and just to acknowledge the, the reality of God's presence within us and that he wants to love us at every moment. I would imagine, sister, that there are listeners today, and maybe you're one of them, friends, but the, there is someone listening today who's saying, What's the point of all of this? Mm. Why should we take, you know, you're telling us how to take time for silence, but why should I even bother with taking time for silence? I mean, I go to I go to Mass, and I do these prayers, and, and I'm a vocal person, and I, I sing songs, and, you know, all good things. Why should, why should our listeners take time for silence every day? Yeah, so I, I think that the primary thing, like what silence does for us is it brings us to a place of receptivity, which is the fundamental disposition of the soul. And um, I think it's uh, John Corbone who wrote The Fourth Pillar of the Catechism and also a beautiful book about prayer called The Wellspring of Worship. He says that receptivity is the most fruitful human activity. So in a world that says like you have to be doing all the time to actually receive is the fundamental disposition of the soul. Um, and that's slowing down as well. Like to, to be slowed down helps us to enter into rest. Uh, I love the the line in the Psalms, let us listen to the voice of God, let us enter into his rest. And that a, a sense of like Sabbath is actually God's gift to us and it's a sign of the covenant to us. And so entering into rest through silence is really important. Uh, and it also, silence has a magnifying effect, which is sometimes why we don't like it. Because in the silence, things are magnified. Maybe things we're not so excited to see, but also things that maybe the Lord wants to show us for a very reason, a, a very great reason. So it shows us what it's really important, um, but it also magnifies our insecurities so that we can bring those insecurities to the Father to be made more secure in his love. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you you mentioned that receptivity is in and of itself an action, because, I mean, we think about what are we called to do with the sacred liturgy? Full, conscious, active participation. Well, how do I actively participate when the lector is reading the Old Testament reading or the epistle or the deacon or father is reading the gospel? I actively participate by listening to what is said and receiving the Word of God into my heart and into my mind. And uh, we forget that sometimes, that we're so focused on do, 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 that we uh, do not focus on 
sit quietly and receive and accept it as a gift. Right. And as we're receiving, we're paying attention to what has our attention. I do want to say sometimes I think um, we have this sense of awkward silence in our culture. And that's a phrase that gets thrown around like, oh, awkward silence. Silence doesn't have to be awkward, um, but we have to embrace the awkward to move through the place where maybe it doesn't feel so great um, and then allow the, the creative effects of silence to move in us. I know that for me, uh, I'm an artist in a lot of ways. I like to paint and draw and things like that. And some of my best work comes in silence when I can allow that creative space to be utilized by the Lord. Um, yeah. You know, and another distinction that we probably have to make is that between silence and quiet, uh, that these are two different things. I live in the city of St. Louis. And I mean, if a fire truck's going anywhere in the area, I'm going to hear it. And it happens quite a lot. So I can take time for silence at home, but that does not mean it will be devoid of noise. Um, there's there's going to be some noise happening, whether it's a car driving down the street, the fire truck passing by, or even my kids downstairs, upstairs, and the pitter-patter of little feet. Um, but the absence of noise or the presence of noise does not necessarily mean that I can't have time for silence. Right. It's actually allowing whatever noise we might find ourselves in that we can't necessarily get rid of, uh, it's out of our control, to allow that to kind of become the symphony that's the soundtrack of our prayer and the soundtrack of our silence. Wonderful. Well, sister, you've given us a lot to think about, and this is great for the season of Lent. You know, we are supposed to take time for prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and I would encourage us all to take some time for silence in our prayer this Lent. A great resource on silence is the book, The Power of Silence by Cardinal Seurat. Um, and I just want to close by, by sharing a quote that I was really moved by. Uh, he just says this, Without silence, we're deprived of mystery and reduced to fear and sadness. It's time to rediscover silence. All right. Well, friends, we want to thank Sister Mary Carolyn Nunes for being with us today. Uh, I encourage you to take some time for silence today. Now, selfishly, I might say maybe not until after the show, but do what you need to do, uh, first and foremost, because the goal of this program is that we would all embrace our call to grow in holiness and, God willing, with the help of His grace, uh, be in heaven when we die. So take some time for silence, not only today, but each and every day. We've got a catequiz question for you today. What is God's only creation that is made of spirit and matter? What is God's only creation that is made of spirit and matter? Do you know the answer? Well, I'll tell you the answer here. We are mankind. We are the only beings that are both spirit and matter. Angels are spiritual beings but have no material form. Man is the only material creation that has a spiritual soul, and thus we are the only of God's creation that are both spirit and matter. Now, to break this down a little further, we turn to Frank Sheed, who says that the universe God created has two vast dimensions, spirit and matter. From the point of view of creation, the one difference between them is paramount. For while everything made by God bears the mark of its maker and tells much of him, spiritual beings alone are made in his image and likeness. It's very important. Spiritual beings alone are made in his image and likeness. All right. Now, um, we go. he goes on to say a, a little bit later in this passage, this is man's special function in the universe. His body is not just an accident, a punishment for sin, from which he is to work f free, a temporary embarrassment to be shed at death as a butterfly sheds its cocoon. It is essential that if he is to act his part in the universe, that is one reason for the resurrection of our bodies on the last day. We should not be men without them, but only, uh, you know, in we should not be men without our bodies. All right? 
Remember what was said of our soul in the spirit in section two. They are not two words for the same thing. Spirit is a partless, spaceless, immortal being which can know in love. Soul means a principle of life in a living body. Man has the only soul that is a spirit and the only spirit that is a soul. It's a little, you know, it can be a little confusing, a little uh, a little tying of the mind there, but we just remember that, uh, you know, like the angels, we think of the angels, they are pure spirit. They have no material form, right? But And, and, and you, you might say, well, my dog has a soul. Yes, yes, your dog has a soul, but it doesn't have a spiritual soul. We're the only ones, humankind. There you have it, right there. Let's uh, take one last little break here before we sit down and talk with Father Wade Menezes from the Fathers of Mercy. We just got to take a couple seconds to get some things ready. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be back right after this. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. It is always a joy to speak with Father Wade Menezes from the Fathers of Mercy and host of Open Line Tuesday, which you can hear on EWTN Global Catholic Radio and right here on Covenant Network every Tuesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Central. Father Wade, good to be with you today. Well, thank you, Adam. It's great to be back with you and your listeners. Now, I'm excited because we're actually going to talk today and we're going to come back on Wednesday. We're we're taking a two-pronged approach to the season of Lent, which begins just a few short days away. So perhaps we have been so focused on our Mardi Gras celebrations that we've forgotten that immediately following Mardi Gras comes the season of Lent. So let's jump in with, uh, you know, I, I always have my notepad handy when I talk with you because it's such an educational experience. Let's talk about Lent in general. I mean, we, we know it because we're Catholic, but we all could probably stand a little refresher here. Absolutely. You know, I'm so glad to have you mention just now in your opening comments and welcoming me, uh, you know, Fat Tuesday. Uh, because I want to end this first segment today by talking about what St. Faustina says in her diary about Fat Tuesday, and I think some of the listeners will be shocked by it. Um, We need to be holy going into the most holiest week of the year on the Church's liturgical calendar, and we have five weeks to prepare for that holiest week of the year, uh, that is Lent. Uh, leading up into Holy Week. So a lot to talk about this first segment and the second segment, so I'm excited about it, Adam. Well, Lent, regarding Lent in general, we could say, Lent comes from the Middle English word Lenten, uh, meaning springtime. How great is that? Uh, The Lenten season lasts 40 days because Jesus went into the desert for 40 days of fasting, meditation, and reflection before beginning his public ministry, which we know lasted for about three years. The Congregation for Divine Worship describes Lent as a time for preparation for Easter. Uh, Specifically, the congregation states, quote, It is a time to hear the Word of God, to convert, to prepare for and remember baptism, to be reconciled with God and one's neighbor, and of more frequent recourse to the arms of Christian penance through prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, what are known, Adam, as the three eminent good works collectively, huh? These constitute the arms of Christian penance. Picture the arms of Jesus wide open on the cross. How beautiful is that? Thinking of these arms of penance, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. The blueprint for Lent, whether one is being positive for Lent, doing something for Lent, or negative for Lent, that is giving up something for Lent, which we'll talk about more in our second segment. But 
prayer, fasting, and almsgiving is the beautiful blueprint for Lent. And, and these three things constitute, again, what are known as the three eminent good works. Lent officially begins on Ash Wednesday, Adam, and ends at the beginning of the Mass of the Lord's Supper on Holy Thursday evening. And traditionally, Sundays are excluded in Lent's 40-day count. Uh, so again, Lent is a liturgical season preceding Holy Week and Easter themselves. The Catholic Church designates these 40 days as a time of preparation for the greatest of liturgical solemnities. Easter, the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus and his victory over evil, sin, and death. Lenten preparation and practices should consist of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, the three-minute good work, as I've already stated, so as to call to mind a sincere repentance or penance towards sins and a desire for a deeper conversion of one's soul. And through these practices, Adam, we can arrive at Holy Week spiritually prepared to walk with Jesus through his suffering and death, the Via Della Rosa, which is great to practice throughout the, the, the weeks of Lent proper, especially on Fridays with the Stations of the Cross. Many parishes have the evening stations or the morning stations for the workers right after the early morning Mass. And I think it's worth saying, too, that during the Lenten season, the Church encourages the faithful to fast not only from food and drink, but also from such things as pride, injustice, and insensitivity to the miseries of others. For example, almsgiving itself should not consist merely in the sharing and giving of material goods to those especially in need, but should also constitute an attitude of the utmost charity towards others. What's my almsgiving? Charity. And again, more about the positives and the negatives that we do for Lent. Uh, or give up for Lent in the second segment that will air in, on a different day. Our Lenten practices to Adams should help us to see clearly that, that only through an openness to God and his sanctifying grace in prayer and detachment from sin, especially mortal sin, right, can we experience true conversion as God makes our hearts more understanding and full of charity, as charity should be the very foundation of all Lenten resolutions, huh? And I instruct our listeners to go to 1 Corinthians 13, 13, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So there you have it, a little synopsis of Lent, a little overview of Lent, the holiest weeks of the year leading us into the holiest, singular, week of the year, Holy Week. All right, Father, you know, I, I want to say for all of our listeners in the car right now, this is like catechesis in the car. It doesn't get any better than this. You're learning on great. your morning drive. Now, hopefully, hopefully they have a great cup of coffee on their center console while they're listening to this <laughs> to, so to make too. them even more awake and more aware for Lent. I love it. All right. Well, Father, you know, one thing that I'm always very careful of, I like to get ahead of myself, and I try not to get too far ahead of myself, but I know... Liturgically speaking, we have actually, and, and, and in, our, in our daily life, we've been getting ready even for the season of Lent. If Lent is a season of preparation, we've been preparing for that season of preparation. And I think of our friends who attend the older form of the Mass, that they've already switched to the purple vestments, they've buried the Alleluia, uh, they've kind of started a little spring training for Lent, as we say. But today, tomorrow, we're wrapping up the, the celebration of Mardi Gras, or Carnival, as some would call it. And uh, when you and I were getting ready for this, you mentioned that St. Faustina had some words on Mardi Gras that we should talk about today. Yeah, that's right. You know, three times St. Faustina mentions Carnivale or Shrove Tuesday or what we call here in the United States Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras, uh, literally Fat Tuesday, uh, in her diary. And this is in diary number 188, diary number 926, and diary number 1619. That's 1619. I'll, I'll repeat those. Diary number 188, 
926 and 1619. And she says this in diary number 188, during the last days of the Carnivale, when I was making a holy hour, I saw how the Lord Jesus Christ suffered as he was being scourged. Oh, such an inconceivable agony. How terribly Jesus suffered during the scourging. Oh, poor sinners, on the day of judgment, how will you face the Jesus whom you are now torturing so cruelly? His blood flowed to the ground, and in some places his flesh started to fall off. I saw a few bare bones on his back. The meek Jesus moaned softly and sighed. And then in diary number 926, she says this, Shrove Tuesday, February 9th, 1937. During the last two days of the Carnivale, I experienced the overwhelming flood of chastisements and sins. In one instant, the Lord gave me a knowledge of the sins committed throughout the whole world during these days. I fainted from fright, and even though I know the depth of God's mercy, I was surprised that God allows humanity to exist. And the Lord gave me to know who it is that upholds the existence of mankind. It is the ch chosen souls. When the number of the chosen souls is complete, the world will cease to exist. And thirdly and lastly, Adam, diary number 1619, she records these words, the last two days of Carnivale. My physical sufferings have intensified. I am uniting myself more closely with the suffering Savior, asking him for mercy for the whole world, which is running riot in its wickedness. Throughout the day, I felt the pain of the crown of thorns. When I lay down, I could not rest my head on the pillow. But at 10 o'clock, the pains ceased, and I fell asleep. But the next day, I felt very exhausted. So those are the three paragraphs, again, number 188, 926, and 1619. All words recorded on the days of Carnivale, and the third one, including the days leading up to Carnivale. And these, mind you, Adam, are on different years, not just 1937, but on different years as well. And then, uh, you know, she notes in number 240 from her diary, so this is a fourth paragraph, if you will. She notes that the Carnivale is a time of revelry and merrymaking before the Lenten season, sometimes in debauchery and grave sin, I might add. And so, you know, we need to take these words to heart that while we can celebrate as part of our Catholic Christian customs, um, that we are about to enter into a period of, of prayer and fasting and almsgiving, as the arms extended of, of, of penance, the, the arms extended of penance, as I said earlier in our, our opening comments in describing Lent and how the three eminent good works are the blueprint for Lent on what to do positively or what to do negatively. Uh, how we celebrate leading up to Ash Wednesday should not be a sinful revelry, huh? It should not be grave sin, mortal sin, not even habitual venial sin. Uh, and so I think this is what Faustine is getting at. You know, we Catholics have a great history of celebrating on saints' feast days, on celebrating on solemnities, especially, huh? The solemnities of our Lord and the solemnities of Our Lady, for example. And no different leading into a, a, a penitential season, but it should not be done with sinful matter or sinful actions. You know, I was getting really worried there for a second that you were going to tell me I couldn't eat pancakes tomorrow 
on Shrove <laughs> Tuesday, as the tradition no, has. But that's it, one it, of the things you can do. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like you know, in, in a typical conversation that we have with you, Father Wade, there is that via media that, that we're not going to yeah. say no celebration, but we are right. going to say moderated celebration that isn't sinful and debaucherous. Yeah, exactly. The glory of being Catholic, quote in quote, right? That's the glory of being Catholic, right down the center line of virtue, uh, leaning neither too far left to the capital sins, let's say, or too far right to the opposite extremes of the capital sins, but but right down the line with, with the seven capital virtues that counteract those seven capital sins and counteract their opposite extremes. Very well said. All right. Well, Father Wade, I, I uh, am grateful for this time together this morning. I look forward to continuing this conversation on Wednesday's show as we actually begin the season of Lent on Ash Wednesday. Uh, but for now, could I ask you to end our time together this morning with a prayer? Certainly, Adam. Let us ask the Blessed Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to help lead all of your listeners and all their Covenant Network on staff into the glorious mysteries of Lent with the extended arms of penance, of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving to help lead all of you, myself included, as a priest of God uh, into the holiest week of the year, Holy Week. And we ask this through Christ our Lord and may the blessing of Almighty God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Covenant Network listeners and remain with each and every one of you this day and always. We ask this through Christ our Lord and St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us. Well, friends, we are grateful for Father Wade Menezes from the Fathers of Mercy spending some time with us this morning. Uh, if you can't wait until Wednesday to listen, don't forget to tune in tomorrow right here on Covenant Network at 2 p.m. for Open Line Tuesday. And then, Father Wade, we look forward to having you back with us on Wednesday morning. We're going to take a quick break here. Stay tuned. Well, it may be the last day of February, but it is a new week, and that means a new topic for our Daily Dose of Encouragement, and Patty Schneier is with us. Patty, what are we going to talk about this week? Well, we're going to talk about Lent, because Lent begins on Wednesday. So we're going to do a week of some encouragements for all of us, and again, these are for myself as well, always the Daily Dose of Encouragement. I don't want to point the finger at anybody. Usually I'm pointing it at myself for Lent. So one of the first things, I'm just going to share what some things that have helped me in Lent throughout the years of when I've had some of my best Lents, and maybe they might help you. So the first thing I do every year for Lent, I'm going to just throw this out this week as your daily dose of encouragement, is I decorate my home for Lent. And this is really important for me because I need physical, tangible reminders to look up and see things in my home. And I'm in my home a lot. I've been a stay-at-home mom for 29 years, so I'm in my home. I work and prepare for ministry in my home. So I would need to be surrounded by reminders of Lent. And so here's what I do. At our fireplace, my son took two pieces of wood and nailed them together. That's all he did. He went down in the scrap workbench, took two pieces of wood. It's big. It's big, but it's a cross. And I put that right on the hearth in front of the fireplace it's very scrappy. It doesn't even look nice, but that's kind of the whole point, right? It's just this big cross. And then I take purple fabric and I drape it on the cross. And then I have a, a real crown of thorns. I put that at the base and then a big nail and I stick that right in the crown of thorns. And then I have pictures from the passion of the cross that I have taken from an old calendar and I put them in frames, eight by 10 frames. So I have all these pictures of the passion of the cross. And then I drape purple on my mantle. So this is just what I do. 
but I decorate my home for Lent. So when I look up at my kitchen table and I'm staring at my fireplace, I see it's Lent. When I want to give up on my Lenten resolutions, all I got to do is look at my fireplace. It's Lent. I'm not going to give up. I see those pictures of the passion of the Christ. And it reminds me of what season we're in and how I want to make it a good Lent. So do what you can. Find something purple. Take two pieces of wood. Nail them together. Do what you can, but get some tangible reminders in your home that it's Lent. Decorate. Go all out. Just like you would for Christmas or Easter or, you know, some people decorate for Valentine's Day or St. Patrick's Day. No. Decorate for Lent this year. Patty, I love it because just like you, the environment around me has such a huge impact on where my focus is. And if I want to focus on Lent, I would benefit from doing exactly what you're saying today. Friends, I hope this encouragement is helpful for you. I know it's been helpful for me, and I look forward to tomorrow with Patty Schneier. Well, a lot for us to remember from today's episode as we are in these final two days before the season of Lent. I would like to encourage you, have that game plan for fasting on Wednesday. Um, I guarantee as prepared as I am, I'm going to find it difficult at times, and I want to keep my eyes focused. That's where I really love Patty Schneier's encouragement today, to have a visual reminder. Why am I doing this? Oh, yes, that is why I am doing this. That is why I am fasting. It is so important to me to uh, have a crucifix nearby to focus on. If nothing else, I have the one on the rosary, which I keep in my pocket, and I go to several times a day in prayer. Even if I'm not praying the rosary, I like to pull that crucifix out, that rosary out, so I can meditate upon the crucifix there. I want to encourage you, as we talked about with Father Rick Heilman a few weeks ago, to have that time every day for mental prayer this season of Lent. And that might mean that right now you have to sit down with your calendar or with your planner and budget in. This is where I'm going to be able to take time for that. And I would encourage you, do not leave it for the end of the day. Put it somewhere in the beginning of the day or the middle of the day um, so that if something happens, you do have time at the end of the day to use as perhaps a catch-all, but you need it to be planned for. If you're like me and you wait for the end of the day, sometimes if you have a busy day, you fall asleep, and then you don't have your mental prayer. You don't have that time. Uh, for me, one thing that very much helps is I have tried to really foster that idea in my life of being in conversation with God. And so there are moments, like there was a moment yesterday where things were just a little overwhelming with the kids, and I was standing in the kitchen and I was cooking dinner, you know, nothing extravagant. We were having baked chicken thighs. I was cooking them in the oven, and they were taking longer than I thought. And the kids were getting restless. And, in you know, muttering under my breath, the kids thought I was talking to myself. I was talking to God and just saying, Lord, right now it's hard. This is difficult, and I am struggling with. And I got specific with X, Y, and Z. I am struggling with this. This is causing difficulty for me and not saying, and you need to do this, 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 and this, but Lord, what do you want me to do in all of this? Uh, be in conversation. And sometimes that's going to be that 15, 20, 30 minutes that we hope we could take each day in mental prayer. But part of that is also going to be in those little moments of the day. You know, maybe you do take a sip of that cup of coffee. Don't wait for that midday exam. And, you, and there's just something extra delicious about that sip of coffee today. Thank God for that. Say, Lord, thank you for this. Say it out loud. You know, you don't have to yell it. It's not like the, you know, you're like, well, I am thanking the Lord for this. 
No, but but just talk to God and have that conversation with him and listen, listen, listen. More on that as we get into the season of Lent. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mary, Queen of Peace, pray for us. And St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. As you heard earlier, Father Wade Menezes will be with us on the show again on Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright, reminding you to get ready for Lent. The time is upon us. And don't forget to pray your rosary today. Have a blessed Monday, everyone.